Pushkin. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handle them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From Pushkin Industries, this is Deep Background, the show where we usually explore the stories behind the stories in the news. I'm Noah Feldman. Today, though, we're doing something a little different. We're going to talk about a story inspired by the news. Pushkin, the podcast production company that makes Deep Background, just launched a new show called The Chronicles of Now. It's pretty cool. Each week on this podcast, you can listen to a fictional short story inspired by real news. The show launched with a short story by Roxanne Gay, a story I really loved. It's about life under lockdown because of a pandemic. A lot like what's happening now, but a little more intense. I just thought, what would it be like to live with your partner in isolation for a year. Roxane Gay is the author of the novel An Untamed State, a best-selling collection of essays called Bad Feminist and the best-selling memoir Hunger. She's a contributing opinion writer for The New York Times, and she's a fascinating person who's always at the center of the cultural conversation, often leading it. I wanted to talk to her about her new short story, her work in many different genres, and what we can learn when we turn news into fiction. Roxanne, thank you so much for being here. Chronicles of Now is starting with an episode featuring your short story, String Theory, which is an extraordinary story. I wonder if you would begin by just saying a few words about it. It's, of course, never the simplest thing to explain a short story, because that's why you wrote the short story, not to have to explain it. But if there's anything you think would be helpful to a listener who hasn't had a chance to read the story yet, that would be great. Yes, I, I wrote it several months ago when we were first hearing news of a pandemic in China. And it was starting to really affect Italy at that point. And my wife had the previous year been to um, Angkor Vat, 
in Cambodia, and a monk gave her this red bracelet. And for some inexplicable reason, it was still on her wrist a year and some change later. And I, it became this sort of obsession. Every day I would look at this bracelet and just think, like, what kind of mystical powers did this monk put into this string bracelet? Because there's no reason why it shouldn't have fallen off because she wore it every day. She never took it off. She showered with it. She lived her life with it. And it, it still hung in there. And so I thought that I would write a story about marking time and dealing with a pandemic and the persistence of this string. In the story, the bracelet does have exactly that kind of mystical staying power that you were just describing. And yet it seems to be getting under your skin. Your wife is wearing it on her skin, but it's getting under your skin. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's one of the most mysterious and I think fascinating things about the story, at least to me. Why do you think it is getting under your skin? I mean, I know in the story you don't quite tell us, so I don't. it's not a spoiler, um, but I'm right. wondering if you would just reflect on it a little bit. I have no idea because it's so innocuous. It's just this red bracelet. It does not interfere with my life. It, it has actually since fallen off. <laughs> so what is this thing? And why do I care so much about it? And, and I still don't really have any answers, but I also think it was a distraction to like become fixated on this little bracelet. I mean, it was a way to pass some of the time. <laughs> It's a very prescient story, given that you wrote it before we in the U.S. were starting to go under lockdown. It, it yes. reads as though it had been written by someone who had already been in lockdown for a long time. And that's kind of extraordinary in, in and of itself. Um, you and she had been to Italy not so long previously, right? We had. We went to Italy last summer. And it was a great trip. So, you know, I think because we travel a lot... I was thinking about what would it be like to be forced to stay in one place for a year. Little did I know <laughs> that we would indeed be forced to stay in a place for a year or more. Who knows? So, you know, I think it was just prescient is the word. I had on the show a, a while back Andy Strominger, who's a physicist who's often credited as one of the founders of string theory in physics. And so I immediately wondered when I saw the title of your story, which is, of course, in part about a string— whether you were trying to refer in any way to this nearly mystical, though the physicists don't think of it as mystical, idea that the entire universe is constructed out of a series of strings. Was that, that must have been yes. somehow in your mind. It was definitely in my mind, not in terms of like technical application, but certainly the underlying concepts of string theory were on my mind. There was a clever little intersection there between actual string theory and my theories as to the meaning of this string. Yeah, and when you figure that string theory starts with the idea that everything is founded in these very, very, very tiny spaces, mm -hmm. and then there you are in the story, as we are all now, locked in our own sometimes very tiny spaces. Yes. Um, it does seem to construct a whole universe out of this space. Yes, it does. One of the ideas behind Chronicles of Now as a show is to include fictional stories that in some way interact with the real world and with the news that people are engaged with. You write in literally every genre there is to write in, so far as I can tell. Memoir, nonfiction essay, the op-ed form, fiction, short and long. 
as far as I can make out, there is no genre in which you're not comfortable writing. I don't actually know if you've published poetry. Maybe you have as well. I am a very bad poet. I published a couple poems when I was much younger that were very, very bad. I'm not, it's not my thing. It's not my genre. I love reading poetry, but I am not skilled at writing it. And that's totally fine. We cannot do everything. It's nice to know that you're human. Um, tell me what, when you think about fiction that is in some way an interplay with the real world, what is it that draws you to sit down and write something fictional under those circumstances when you could write something that was in the form of memoir or you could write something that was in the form of a commentary or an essay? Um, with all those genres at your hands, I mean, it's easy for me. I can't write fiction, so I, I, I write my long-form narrative. That's all I got. But when you have such a remarkable creative capacity, what goes into your choosing which of the genres you're going to write in? It just depends. I, I wish that I had a consistent rubric, but I oftentimes it's a matter of urgency. and if something needs to be addressed immediately, I tend to use nonfiction because A, there's more of a demand, but also we need help in processing the world that we're living in. And that's certainly what I look to other writers for. So I feel that urgency and I write something to respond to the murder of George Floyd or a pandemic or you know, a despot president, it just depends. But with fiction, I have more time. And there's a different kind of urgency. I might want to respond to the world that we're living in, but differently. And I think I want more creative leeway uh, because you have to work within the bounds of reality when you're writing nonfiction and you get to create the bounds of reality with fiction so long as you do it carefully. And so it just depends really on what I feel is the best genre for what I want to accomplish. You mentioned three of the leading preoccupations that we all feel in this time, George Floyd's murder and more broadly the Black Lives Matter movement that already existed, but that uh, has further developed in, in reaction to the murder. You mentioned the pandemic and you mentioned our despotic president in your phrase. Mm -hmm. Does this seem like a stranger than usual time to you in that these three interrelated but distinct phenomena are kind of looming over us in this way. I mean, it feels that way to me a lot of the time, as though it's different from what has come before. But then I try to check myself and say, no, 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 you know, we, we had Richard Nixon, you know, and that was itself very bad. And it's not like Black Lives Matter is responding to one murder. It's responding to systemic racism with hundreds of years of weight behind it. And yes, the pandemic is worse than anything that we've experienced in our lifetimes, but there were pandemics in the past too. And I try to hold myself back from thinking of this as so outlying a time. Do you have a, an instinctive reaction to whether this does seem like an outlying time to you or whether it's just more of more concentrated version of what we're accustomed to? I think that every generation thinks that we're experiencing something unprecedented because we're in it and we don't have the distance of history and time to really process and recognize and contextualize the severity of what we're experiencing. So I think that if you had asked people who were fighting for civil rights in the 1960s if things were are worse now, I suspect they would have the answer of no. And if you had asked people who were seeking freedom when they were enslaved if things are more tumultuous now or then, <laughs> you know, they would have a different answer. Yeah. But we can only know our own lives and our own realities. And in this reality, despite the severe tumult that we've seen in history. I mean, things are really fucked up right now. And it's particularly fucked up because 
throughout history, we have relied on checks and balances. And we have expected that at least one branch of the government would do its job. I myself have the instinct that the one check that is done sort of okay. I mean, I feel like Congress has not done very well. The House of Representatives did impeach the president, but wasn't enough to get him removed. So that was not a very effective check. It was something. But I sort of have the feeling that when Trump has directly violated the law, as opposed to when he's violated all of our norms of decency, when nothing happens, when he's violated the law, the courts have to some degree checked him. Yes, but it's not enough. I mean, and we can't trust the courts because Trump is installing so many conservative judges. And there's actually nothing wrong with being conservative, but the conservatives that he's appointing are, they are far more than conservative. They're rabidly conservative and incredibly dangerous to civil liberties and women's bodily autonomy. And so, yes, we can look at some of the pushback the courts have engaged in and continue to hope that they will do so, but I think it's tenuous at best. I will say that Neil Gorsuch did surprise me uh, with his decision in the LGBTQ Title VII case. Um, Yes. Not that he's not genuinely and deeply conservative. He just seemed prepared in that instance to follow his conservative judicial philosophy to a result that the liberals also agreed with. I I think everyone was surprised. And I I have no doubt that the president was very surprised uh, because his judges are not necessarily voting the way he would have expected them to. And uh, that's encouraging. We'll see how how long it holds out. And I think it's really heartbreaking that so much of the fate of the country lies in the hands of an elderly woman who is very ill and deserves to retire and deserves to convalesce and try and overcome cancer without having to also work a full-time job as a Supreme Court justice. I think it's really you know, the Republic should not come down to this, but here we are. I will say for Justice Ginsburg that she is one tough lady. She is. But I agree that it's not good for the fate of the Republic to rest on the health of one of the justices. No. We'll be right back. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. In my book, David and Goliath, I tried to figure out how some people find the strength to take on the established way of thinking and turn it upside down. What does it take to be a disruptor? And I concluded that a disruptor is someone with a rare combination of three traits. First, you have to be open. You have to be willing to see and do things in new ways. Secondly, you have to be conscientious, to follow through and make things happen. Those two are obvious, but the third one is the crucial one. You have to be willing to do what you think is right, 
even when everyone around you thinks you're an idiot. There isn't a brilliant innovator in history who wasn't surrounded by naysayers. Most of us can't take that kind of criticism and we fold. But the disruptor doesn't. They soldier on. I've been looking at disruptors and their success stories a lot lately, partly because I'm working on a follow-up to The Tipping Point. And market disruption plays a key role in how ideas take off. But also because I'm going to be the keynote speaker at this year's Unconventional Awards from T-Mobile for Business. It's an event where customers are recognized for kicking convention to the curb to elevate their company, while also doing meaningful things for their community and even the world. In fact, I'll be presenting the first ever Tipping Point designation, a new special distinction honoring one entrant that sparked transformative change for their organization. If this event sounds like your thing, I encourage you to find out more or even enter the unconventional awards to be recognized for your disruptive thinking. Win a donation to a charity of your choice and much more. You can enter before July 31st at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Returning to the fiction side of things, who are the writers, contemporary writers, that you find most insightful when you're looking for writers who talk not just about as you were describing, changing the bounds of imagination, but also on reflecting on contemporary events through their fiction. Is there anybody that you really like? I mean, I think they do it in ways that are more implicit than explicit, but Yagi Yasi is outstanding and does that, I think, incredibly well. So does uh, Danielle Evans, who is a short story writer. She also, I think, is working on a novel, so she can do both and does so with real talent. Alexander Chi writes really well to the contemporary moment. And also, beyond, his work is beautiful. And so those are three authors that come to mind. When you look at the kind of work that you want to do going forward, Mm -hmm. do you think of yourself as prime to write more novels, to write more essays, to write more memoir? How do you think of your own trajectory as a writer? I'm going to be doing all of the above. I have two novels forthcoming and three nonfiction books and a comic and a movie and a TV show. I think I just counted six books, one, one, uh, two movies and a TV show. Is that right? Six books, one movie, one TV show? Yeah. And a comic. 
how do you literally find the time to produce that much content? I have no idea. Um, I don't have children. Do you write every morning? Do you write all day, every day? Do you write all night? Uh, I'm, I'm a night writer. I don't really get much done that's useful in the morning except work on my podcast. And I write generally in the evenings. And it just depends. Some days I'll write for seven or eight hours and some days I'll write for 10 or 20 minutes. Tell me, if you would, a little bit about your podcast. I co-host a podcast with Tressie McMillan Cottom called Here to Slay. We originally conceived of it as a Black feminist daily show. So responding to current events and engaging with the news and significant people from a Black feminist perspective. And that's what we do. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, We're now in our second season. And for the first 13 episodes, we're focusing on COVID and how it's affecting people And we're especially looking at the people who do not normally get attention. So we're looking at how is it affecting sex workers? How is it affecting, for example, drug addicts? What do you do when there's nowhere to go to get what you need? I'm learning a lot and seeing a lot, and it's it's quite something. When you look back on the episodes that you've done so far... What are the things that you've been most surprised by? I mean, I'm curious to know whether you whether there is some theme or trend that you see emerging from those interviews. It's really interesting to see how people are finding a way to survive and to make life in this virtual world work. And it's just interesting to see that people are able to adapt. And the other thing we've noticed that every Black woman we've spoken to has said this is the first time in her life that she's been able to take a break. And that has been really eye-opening. And I think both Tressie and I would agree that we're in the same situation because we have so many jobs and we work so hard. We support families. You know, we have a lot of responsibilities. So you don't really have that opportunity to rest. And then the world said, nope, you are going to rest. And so despite the anxieties of the economy and this disease and how it disproportionately is affecting Black people, the Black women that we're speaking to are all saying, I am resting for the first time in my life. And, you know, that really gave us pause and continues to give us pause. If we end up in a space where we're reopening without a vaccine, which seems like one of the possibilities, what happens to people who are having an opportunity to rest now? I mean, as they're basically told, sorry, rest time is over. You know, you need to be back in your job, essential job. And... You're not going to be able to protect yourself. And that's just the way our capitalist system is set up right now. How do you perceive that people will respond to that? I don't know. I think that's a really good question. And I think it's one that we are going to see the answer to in coming weeks and months. And so I don't know. I think that there are people who can't afford not to go back, who are going to have to take that risk. And so we're going to continue to see the class divide widen, and we're going to continue to see that we are willing to sacrifice people um, for our comfort. And it's galling. Thank you very much for your time, Roxanne, and thank you for joining me. And uh, congratulations on your podcast and on having your story, String Theory, inaugurating the Chronicles of Now. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can listen to Roxanne Gay's short story, String Theory, on the Chronicles of Now podcast, which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. 
I highly recommend it. Deep Background is brought to you by Pushkin Industries. Our producer is Lydia Jean Cott, with mastering by Jason Gambrell and Martin Gonzalez. Our showrunner is Sophie McKibben. Our theme music is composed by Luis Guerra. Special thanks to the Pushkin Brass, Malcolm Gladwell, Jacob Weisberg, and Mia Lobel. I'm Noah Feldman. I also write a regular column for Bloomberg Opinion, which you can find at Bloomberg.com Feldman. To discover Bloomberg's original slate of podcasts, go to Bloomberg.com podcasts. And one last thing. I just wrote a book called The Arab Winter, A Tragedy. I would be delighted if you checked it out. If you liked what you heard today, please write a review or tell a friend. You can always let me know what you think on Twitter. My handle is Noah R. Feldman. This is Deep Background. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.